Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point on this Friday, March 31st. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. We'll take your calls around 11.15 today. 602-260-1060 is the number. There's still a $100 gift certificate on the line for you to Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits because it's a Friday spread. Brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. They're located 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. They're not your normal meat market, craft beer, wine, and the amazing treats for your four-legged friends. Here are the weekend specials over at Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. 75% lean ground beef at $3.99 a pound. They ground uh, their their uh, meat fresh daily. Now, Bob, you're a ginormous pork chop fan, are you a pork butt fan? Because prime pork butt roast at three ninety nine a pound this weekend. Yeah, pretty much anything pork is uh, good with me. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, so that's a, a prime pork butt roast at three ninety nine a pound, as well as fresh whole chickens at one ninety nine a pound. So visit them two three nine zero North Alma School in Chandler, and the one hundred dollar gift certificate still on the line coming in this hour. When it comes to let's reset the scene here with today's poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS ten sixty dot com poll question: Who do you have ATS on Saturday night? UConn minus five and a half. Miami plus five and a half numbers coming from the FanDuel Sportsbook and just kind of the evolution of this. UConn was out in front in a landslide. Then Miami was out in front in a landslide at next look. Now you were calling for something to be much closer and it doesn't get much closer than this. It's a 50-50 split. Okay, there we go. So I should have called forward earlier, I guess. (laughs) Maybe maybe I, I botched that up. My bad. On Twitter, at KDOS AM 1060, who do you have ATS Saturday afternoon? SDSU minus 2.5, Florida Atlantic plus 2.5. This, though, has not gotten any closer. Uh, SDSU continues out in front at 100% of the vote. We will answer. Yeah, as far as, I'm sorry, I'm oh. just going to throw in as far as the current numbers. These they Pretty much we've been sitting at 2.5 and 5.5 and for a few days now. Uh, you know, there were some twos and threes, depending on where you looked around for San Diego State and Florida Atlantic. Uh, but now it seems to be pretty, pretty, pretty much completely settled on two and a half there. I would also, uh, if you're into this on uh, tomorrow before the game, there's going to be, needless to say, an enormous handle on these games. Uh, also big limits uh, in many casinos around the world in these games. So oftentimes, like kind of like college bowl games on like New Year's Day or the BC, the uh, the CFP, I almost said BCS as back in the day, uh, but the college football playoff games, you we see some uh, seemingly wacky line moves right before kickoff or game time or tip off in this case. So if you're looking for a better number for your benefit, whichever side you're looking for here on these two games, uh, you know don't give up yet. Uh, And we will answer this question 
around 11.30, and we'll get into an in-depth look at these two games and these four teams here momentarily. But first, there's a Final Four, women's Final Four, taking place tonight. I wanted to kind of set the scene for what's going on in that action of games. LSU minus one and a half, Virginia Tech plus one and a half, 4 p.m. on ESPN tonight. LSU, of course, has big-time head coach Kim Mulkey looking to add to her legacy. She has three NCAA titles in her 21 years at Baylor. She's been with LSU now since 2021. Their star is Angel Reese, and she is, of course, the standout for LSU, averaging 23.2 points per game, 15.7 rebounds. Virginia Tech, a bit of a surprise making it this far for, for them in this match. Matchup, but LSU, a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Those numbers coming from the FanDuel Sportsbook app. And then the contest later on, 6.30 p.m. on ESPN, Iowa, South Carolina. Iowa plus 11-and-a-half, South Carolina minus 11-and-a-half. South Carolina, of course, is led by Don Staley. Uh, they have just completely dominated college basketball. They've also dominated this particular NCAA tournament. They've won by an average of 22-and-a-half points in this NCAA tournament, and they have not won by less than 11 points. They're led by Zia Cook, who uh, averages 15.1 points per game, but really, South Carolina is just really complementary to one another. So, can Caitlin Clark with Iowa come up with some magic? She was magical in the Elite Eight. Will she be magical again? She's already been named the Player of the Year uh, she is the first Division I women's basketball player to have more than 900 points and 300 assists in a season. She's had 984 and 311. She averages 27.3 points, 7.3 rebounds, and 8.6 assists per game. So she'll need some magic here against South Carolina. 4 p.m. ESPN for LSU Virginia Tech, Iowa, South Carolina, 6.30 p.m on ESPN flipping this over to Saturday men's final four Florida Atlantic University San Diego State University FAU plus two and a half San Diego State minus two and a half numbers coming from the FanDuel Sportsbook app it's a 309 p.m. start on CBS on Saturday I think we have to start with SDSU's defense they allowed just 57.3 points and 17 percent from three this tournament they also have Mensa, who clogs up the lane and protects the rim. How can FAU score? They are a team that likes to shoot from three. 37% of their points come from behind the arc, and they average 9.73s this season. So something is going to have to give, offense or defense. To me, this game actually comes down to you have San Diego State with, you know, they both play nine guys, basically. Uh, the difference is San Diego State, they have you know, seven seniors amongst those nine guys. And uh, Florida Atlantic has one senior among those guys, nine guys. So I'm not sure, you know, you know certainly if you're going to go with the experience factor, SDSU is your choice. And, uh, you know, I think this is a really tough game. I mean, I'm not going to be betting on either of these games this weekend, as I've stated throughout the week, unless something amazing. I don't know what could happen, quite frankly. Uh, for me to change my mind uh, to bet on either of these games before it actually starts. Maybe some in-game betting possibilities, but uh, I think that both these numbers are about right. And uh, I just don't see any really advantages uh, in betting on this game before, it's, uh, before it actually starts. 
You've talked about this consistently about Florida Atlantic and their ability to get rebounds and dominate the glass in that category here. Can they keep that up, though, against SDSU? Big test. I mean, obviously, they haven't faced a team, uh, you know, very certainly in Conference USA, where they did lead the conference in rebounding. They haven't faced a team. Uh, you know, there may not be a team in college basketball that is you know, physically stronger than San Diego State. So this is going to be a whole different deal for them. You know, they faced a couple of teams in the NCAA tournament that might have had one you know, guy with some length, uh, but not guys with length and bulk and strength. And so this is going to be a different deal. See how Golden does against these guys. I mean, he's really had some outstanding uh, moments and games uh, already, not just in the, not necessarily just in this tournament, but obviously in Conference USA. You know, he's a seven-foot guy and. You know, he, he just kind of physically dominated Conference USA because he was just better than everybody else and bigger than everybody else. But uh, he's going to get some pushback here from San Diego State. Now, as I mentioned, uh, the depth and the experience and, and so forth are certainly on San Diego State's side. Let's stick with San Diego State and uh, extract Darian Trammell and how well he's been playing in this tournament. 15.3 points per game in this tournament. Uh, can he keep it going? And I guess when I ask this question, so you have now multiple weekends in a row. There's now different travel that's involved. And sometimes when we see players get hot in tournaments, uh, is the layoff a bad thing for them? Or is it just kind of they've found this zone and they this is their zone and they're able to just keep rolling yeah i think that's a good question because it's certainly a different situation you're not going on a you know thursday saturday friday sunday type of thing here and yeah they haven't played since last weekend and you know they all you know have the saturday thing going needless to say i think the biggest thing here uh at least usually early in the ncaa tournament game when we get to this point i mean you have you know huge you know you know, facility and uh, depth perception and three-point shooting is usually a problem uh, for most teams, at least early in games, until they get a little more acclimated to the situation. And you know, they have these uh, you know practices today that are open to the public, shoot arounds and whatever. I, you know, when the tournament was here at uh, State Farm Stadium, you know, I remember going to a couple of those, and uh, you know, it was you know kind of. Quite frankly, you really didn't learn too much, and they weren't going to show anything publicly because, uh, you know, certainly, uh, you know, there's spies in the stands from the other teams. Uh, so, but uh, back to your Tremel question, I actually think that Tremel has been their best player all year long. I know that Bradley, who played at Cal, of course, for a couple of years, is considered to be their best player. But uh, I have not been surprised at all that Tremel is the guy that's made big plays in a couple of their close wins in the NCAA tournament thus far. Another guy I want to highlight this time on the Florida Atlantic side of things, John L. Davis, uh, 17.3 points and 7.8 rebounds per game this tournament, but he was 0 for 4 from 3 against K-State. So how important is he to be able to hit from behind the arc, even keeping in mind how great SDSU's defense has been from behind the arc? Yeah, well, I think that's an interesting point also. And, you know, Davis is a sophomore, and, you know, they've got a lot of skill on Florida Atlantic and uh, – They've got you know, two or three guys that whenever they're done playing collegiate ball, they're going to be playing professionally somewhere. Not necessarily sure it'd be uh, as a you know, starters in the NBA, but uh, they've got some guys that definitely can play, no question. And uh, Davis has been the guy that made some big shots for them throughout the season. 
I think they've also had a couple of guys that have stepped up. You know, Boyd's made a couple of huge, and he's a Boyd's a freshman, uh, and yeah, you know, he's made a couple of huge shots in close games here for Florida Atlantic in this tournament. Uh, so that's another guy, and uh, they're certainly uh, going to. Uh, I, I can't imagine that they faced any team that's going to present present as much resistance at the defensive end uh, than uh, than they're going to see uh, from San Diego State. Rolling into the Saturday night contest, 5.49 p.m. on CBS. Miami plus 5.5, UConn minus 5.5. Numbers coming to you from the FanDuel Sportsbook app. And before I go into anything any further here, Jordan Hawkins, someone to keep watching. He shoots 38% from three, 16.3 points per game for UConn. But just coming out here that he is feeling under the weather with a non-COVID illness and he is resting at the team's hotel so he will not be in attendance for today's open practice and media availabilities but obviously uh, any sort of illness could be very impactful if he's not feeling better by tomorrow. Yeah, he's obviously a big deal to them. Uh, he's a tremendous all-around player, does pretty much everything to some extent uh, whatever they're particularly needing yeah, I didn't know about that till you just mentioned it. But to me, this game comes down to whether Omir, uh, the big guy for Miami, who has been really good in this tournament, and remember he went down in the first minute of the ACC tournament game against Duke when they ended up losing to Duke in that game. He literally went down with an injury in that first minute. And we weren't even sure if he was going to play in the NCAA tournament at that point because I, I actually don't think that they were misleading us. I don't think they knew whether he was going to be able to play. But he's been unbelievable so far. However, uh, he's going to need a little help from somebody, and I don't know who that's going to be because uh, they just don't have a whole lot else. Uh, they have, you know, Anthony Walker comes off the bench and plays some, and he's a 6'9 guy. But uh, you'd go against the multiple bigs uh, from Connecticut. They have at least one out there all the time and usually two and occasionally three. Uh, so, you know, Mir's going to have to be unbelievable in this game. On the other side of things, though, Miami has tremendous guard play. You know, Wong and uh, you know, Pack get all the attention. I've been talking up Jordan Miller the entire season, and he was obviously great in their, uh, you know, the game against, uh, against Texas last week. Didn't miss a shot, free throw, or field goal attempt. Kind of a Christian Leitner type of thing from back in the day when, you know, Leitner against uh, Kentucky. But uh, you know those three guys are—they produce the majority of the Miami points. And if there's one thing that Connecticut has had some issues with, is that they've had some problems occasionally, not lately, needless to say, but certainly in the middle of the season when they had the their quote losing streak, they've had some problems against guards that can penetrate and create shots for themselves and others. And certainly that's going to be the ultimate, uh, you know, I think that's the ultimate question for Connecticut going into this game. How do they defend the perimeter players for Miami? Uh, yeah, and to that point, Miami is ranked fifth in Ken Palm for adjusted offensive efficiency. Meanwhile, UConn is ranked eleventh uh, uh, in Ken Palm for adjusted defensive efficiency. But obviously, the Wong, Pack, and uh, uh, Miller that you were talking about are certainly people to keep an eye on for Miami. But if they're able to get Omir into foul trouble, uh, it could certainly really change kind of how Miami is able to play and compete. I don't think they do compete <laughs> at that point. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, they just don't have enough guys coming off the bench. As I mentioned, Walker's 6'9". 
But uh, there's a serious drop-off between O'Meara and Walker. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, Miami, as I've mentioned many times this year, long before we knew they were going to be in this Final Four situation, they can score the basketball against pretty much anybody, and they can give up points against pretty much anybody. Uh, defense is not exactly their strength. I know at the start of the year, at the start of the tournament at least, I'm not sure where it is now, but before the tournament started, they were 113th in the country in Kempom adjusted defense. Would you that's, be? That's a, not just tournament. That's a whole country. 113th. There's only like 264 teams, so that that's a really low number. We've been talking about you know play from behind the arc. So would you be surprised to know that actually UConn has made 41 threes this tournament, which is seven more than any other team. Not really, because they shoot a lot of them, and this has actually been my, you know, my really probably my biggest question about UConn all year is that they, I think they shoot too many shots behind the arc because they've got the big guys that I mentioned that you know, I don't think they need to shoot it behind the arc. I think they take some threes that are unnecessary. I don't know if that's a Hurley thing, a Hurley family thing. <laughs> I watched their high school, I watched you know, Bobby Hurley Sr., uh, coach a whole lot even though I have seen him some back in the day they used to actually they played the tournament at Chaparral High School a few years ago and I went to that uh, but uh, you know I think they shoot too many threes uh, and I think that they sometimes when uh, certainly when they had the losing streak they weren't making those threes so uh, we'll see but uh, if I were you know if I were you know Danny Hurley I would be you know a little concerned that they shoot too many of those and uh yeah, the fact that they have 35% of their offense comes from behind the arc, that number is kind of too high for me considering they have low post threats. You mentioned big guys for UConn. I can't go into the weekend without saying my man Sonogo and how impactful he has been in the paint. 65.5% uh, shooting this tournament, and he leads the team in points and rebounds. But obviously Jordan Hawkins is just behind him with 16.3 points per game. And it appears here that uh, they're meeting the media right now, so that's why we didn't know about Jordan Hawkins' uh, illness until right now. And Hurley has said that Hawkins started to feel ill last night and kept him away from the rest of the team so no further updates other than that yeah to me the biggest difference from UConn this year and the last couple of years when they got eliminated in the first round were the two freshmen you know Caravan 6'8 and then Klingon at 7'2 and uh you know Caravan's you know he, he's kind of a inside outside type of guy and you know Klingon actually he's made a couple threes too believe it or not but uh to me that's been the biggest difference for their team this year I'm not diminishing Hawkins or certainly uh, Andre Jackson. Uh, both those guys are you know, really good defenders. And Newton, I think, is a guy that really get com gets completely overlooked. Uh, you know, they're, they're as close as they get as a point guard, they don't really have a true point guard. As uh, We talked about Dom, Dom Amore from the Hartford Current in the sports zone today. Uh, but you know, Newton seems to be the guy, when they're in a close game, uh, the ones that they've won down the stretch, and you know, they had a nice run at the end of the regular season, then they lost in the conference tournament uh, semifinal against Marquette. But you know, I've been really impressed at how Newton has been able to make really big plays at both ends of the floor when it seems like they have needed them. They haven't needed too many of those in the NCAA tournament, but they certainly did towards the end of the regular season in the Big East.
FAU plus two and a half, SDSU minus two and a half, 3.09 p.m. CBS on Saturday, Miami plus five and a half, UConn minus five and a half, 5.49 p.m. Saturday on CBS. We'll give our answers at 11.30 today, but on the other side of the break, we'll take your phone calls, so if you'd like to join the show, call now, 602-260-1060. We'll talk to you on the other side of the break, 602-260-1060. It is the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at kdos1060.com and with the kdos 1060 app powered by superbook sports on this friday march 31st The Dan Patrick Show, weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. This is just uh, something I like to call breakfast. With big-name guests, timely sports information, and more on KTUS AM 1060. Welcome back to Extra Point, 1128 here on KDOS AM 1060, online at kdos1060.com, and with this KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. A couple of things have just crossed my attention here, and we'll first start with the uh, Suns portion of the things that caught my attention. According to Bally Sports, Kevin Durant's home debut this week ended up being the most watched program in phoenix it averaged a rating of 5.2 which equated to over 110,000 households its peak rating was of six which equated to just over 128,000 households and it ended up being the highest rated regular season suns game on bally sports arizona since december 29th 2010 which Someone has pointed out that was Vince Carter's debut. Oh my God, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I wonder what the uh, rating would have been. You know, I, well, I assume people probably tuned in three Wednesdays prior, assuming <laughs> Grant was going to play. I wonder what the rating was at least the pregame of the uh, until they found out he wasn't playing that night. Yeah, that's very true uh, because we were all anticipating all of that, and uh, right. yeah. And then, unfortunately, it didn't happen. And it happened in warm-ups, too. So it wasn't like anything uh, mischievous was going on. The event happened in in warm-ups. So probably a lot of disappointed people to hear about that. But much anticipated, and it ended up being, uh, you know, not the the outcome and not – uh, the shooting performance that Kevin Durant would have wanted, but at least the team got the win. And as we both pointed out, I don't foresee this continuing moving forward. He's he's too good. And the other thing, too, is that uh, I'm sure with the ankle, he hasn't been able to work on conditioning. And as that starts to be able to ramp back up, he'll be back to being the Kevin Durant we know. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. Just uh, everybody be healthy in two weeks when the playoffs start. The other thing that caught my attention here, which maybe is a bit of a surprise, Adrian Wojnarowski is reporting that as NBA and the NBA PA pursue a new CBA ahead of tonight's opt-out deadline, a deal wouldn't include a change in the minimum draft age rule ending the one and done. So high school players will still need to wait a full year beyond graduation to enter future drafts. So I don't know if this is just something that's taking place to get the CBA 
CBA done and so that there's not an opt-out tonight and that there will be a potential change down the road or if this means there's kind of been a reversal because it sort of seemed like we were really trending in the direction that the one and and, and done era was going to end. Yeah, truth be told, I haven't followed this at all, so I really don't have much to say. Um, so we'll see. And I really, it seems like, uh, unfortunately, it's one of many topics that we've had in the last you know, few months, no matter what the sport, where it's a rush to judgment to try to get the story right, and nobody maybe knows what the story is. I guess, are you in favor of the one and done staying in place or would you like to see high school kids have the opportunity to, to go right to the NBA? I don't really have an opinion, to be honest. Um, you know, I've seen it. Uh, I've heard people say it ruins the college game. It helps the guy, whatever. I've heard everything. And uh, I don't think there's, I just don't have an opinion. I'm sorry. I usually have one. And I know some people don't like it when I have one. Now they're probably not going to like it when I don't have one. We'll talk a little bit about the NCAA tournament and what this means for schools and especially schools that are from smaller conferences in order to be able to have such a deep run in the NCAA tournament. So when it comes to figuring out these payouts and what the NCAA is going to give to conferences, NCAA calls it units. And every conference will receive about $2 million for participating in an NCAA men's basketball tournament game up to the final four so that it ends up being 132 units available two million dollars is paid out over the course of six years so that ends up equating to about three hundred thirty three thousand dollars a year and then the conference then distributes to its member schools so the top earner for this year's ncaa tournament is the sec with 17 units, so that's around $34 million, which will be paid from 2024 to 2029. Now, Chris Vanini's story from The Athletic points out that with conference realignment, this is now making things quite interesting because the money goes to conferences. It does not go to schools. So schools that are contributing to this run are probably not going to see this money uh, next year or in the future because we have, for example, Florida Atlantic University is actually leaving Conference USA and joining the AAC. You have USC and UCLA leaving for the Big Ten, and then you also have Houston leaving the AAC and joining the Big 12 this summer. So it's a, it's an interesting situation here that the schools are the ones that are, I guess, accumulating these units, and it's going to the conference that they're then leaving. So it's just kind of a little fascinating tidbit. I think the two biggest things for basketball here, about, uh, as far as the realignment goes, yeah, I think we're all aware of UCLA in that situation. And, you know, unfortunately, I know the U of A and UCLA are trying to figure out a way to play non at least one non-conference game. I can't, they're not going to play more than one, but they're trying to figure out a way to play a non-conference game after UCLA leaves for the Big Ten. And then I think you mentioned the other one, Houston. This is a huge deal. I mean, it's uh, – you know, not to diminish what they've accomplished because you know, they've won some – they certainly – they've won a lot of NCAA tournament games against non-AAC teams, but it's not going to be cruising through the conference and see how good they are once they get to the NCAA tournament, once they join the Big 12. And I don't think the Big 12 is getting any worse in the next uh, couple of years. And uh, you know, it seems like, I guess, according to the recruiting people, that they might be actually, hard to believe, be getting better. 
Uh, and also, I saw this, too, that it looks like Dusty May has signed a contract extension to stay with Florida Atlantic. So that's good for them and their program. Uh, but a lot of that yeah. probably is some NIL money, too. Yeah, I have no idea how that works. But, uh, yeah, not that I don't know where he's going to go. It's not like there is an abundance of positions that are currently open. And uh, I don't think that, uh, well, maybe I'm wrong, but I can't imagine somebody, you know, a power five school, uh, if they haven't already fired their coach, that they're going to fire him now and make room for Dusty May. So we'll see how that goes. Now, I know this is another interesting one for you here. We're going to the world of the NFL. A new playing surface has been installed at MetLife Stadium. And uh, let me see if I can get these words right. I don't know what any of it means, but it's the first multi-layer dual polymer monofilament fiber field which is called the Field Turf Core System. Uh, and so it, it's supposed to be better than what MetLife currently has because we know about all of the, the different players that have come out to talk about how much they hate playing at MetLife and how dangerous it is. According to an NFL internal data that was reviewed by ESPN, they claim non-contact injuries to knee, ankle, and foot are about the same when it's played on natural or art- artificial turf. Yeah, sorry, I'm not following the, you know, I don't have the stats to, you know, to, to back that up. You know, the, the, the surface I heard the most about last year, though, was everybody hated playing at Carolina, even before the, you know, below freezing temperatures uh, in the end of the regular season when the Lions played there, right? But uh, there were yeah. complaints about that field long before that. And then there were complaints about uh, the Cardinals stadium as well from the Chiefs and then the Super Bowl and Kyler Murray's injury was non-contact here as well. Um, so interesting. I don't know if you're going to make anybody happy because I know that uh, John Mara has said that he would like to see it return to natural grass, but you also have just the fact that it's hard to keep grass in good condition when you have particular weather that you have in New York. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or New Jersey, technically. Uh, yes, excuse me, you're right, New Jersey. That's right. Don't don't slight New Jersey here. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, yeah. I you, know, you would think he'd have some pull, but uh, you know he's you know I don't know how. You know, not, I've never had a yard before <laughs> that needed any kind of manicuring, so I have no idea. How it would all be involved in something like that, especially in those kind of weather conditions. And then it was Anthony Richardson's pro day yesterday. And I guess the big story is that he was trying to throw a bomb and he hit the roof. Um, so <laughs> was he trying to hit the roof? You know what? I don't know. Uh, you know, he acted uh, after he threw it like, oh, gosh, that hit the roof. So what a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, it's, it's, maybe he's just trying to show off and hit the roof. Uh, you know, obviously he's a high upside uh, potential there with him and just try to find the right fit. And if you're willing to roll the dice to draft him as high as he could potentially be going uh, and not have him play right away because he's such a raw talent. Right. I mean, the right fit has to be a team. The right fit, quote unquote, uh, at least short term, would seemingly be a team that already has an established quarterback and you know, do like a you know members you know Alex Smith uh, with Kansas City I guess when Mahomes first year is probably the best example of this type of thing. Yes, definitely, and I think that him sitting was uh, was very helpful, and he's talked a lot about how Alex Smith uh, was such a great mentor to him as well. So kudos to Alex Smith because it's not it's not actually the player's responsibility to mentor in this role. It's kind of up to them if they would like to do that. 
Yeah, it's correct. <laughs> you know, we've seen some Green Bay quarterbacks that have not exactly been, uh, you know, in favor of such a thing. So, yeah, the, I think the Alex Smith thing is, uh, you know, we talked about that during Super Bowl week a couple of times because Mahomes talked about it and uh, went out of his way to talk about it at least one time, I remember, during Super Bowl week before the game. Well, it's time. The Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. It's here. The $100 gift certificate could be yours if you're caller 3, 602-260-1060. 602-260-1060, Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, $100 gift certificate. They are located 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. Pay them a visit this weekend. 75% lean ground beef at $3.99 a pound. It's ground fresh daily. Prime pork butt roast at $3.99 a pound and fresh whole chickens at $1.99 a pound. That's the weekend specials. You can visit them at vonhansensmeats.net to find out what else they have that will be oh so delicious when you cook it up. Visit them, 2390 North Alma School in Chandler, 602-260-1060, caller 3. And we'll answer the poll questions on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point. Catch the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060 and online at KDUS1060.com. on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's Friday. It's March 31st. Congratulations to our winner for the $100 gift certificate to Vaughn Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Visit them this weekend, 2390 North Alma School Road in Chandler or check them out online at vaughnhansensmeats.net. It's time to get into the poll questions here. We've been discussing it much of this hour and that is the final four this Saturday and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Who do you have ATS on Saturday night? UConn minus five and a half, Miami plus five and a half numbers come in from the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Uh, I have no interest in betting on this game pregame, but if I were, I would actually lay the points with Connecticut. I think it's pretty easy to make a case for Connecticut. My biggest concern about this game, if I were thinking about betting on Miami, is that O'Meara would get into foul trouble. Uh, we mentioned how good he's been, and uh, yeah, he's only a sophomore, by the way, uh, and he's a, that dude is built. Um, uh, he's, it looks like a San Diego State player. That's the next question I know, but it looks like a. But he can't, I don't think, single-handedly uh, deal with the multiple bigs for Connecticut, not just Sonogo, but others. Uh, so that would be my biggest concern about this game. And while I'm not betting on Miami and I'm not betting on Connecticut because I just hate laying points in these kind of games, so I'm passing on this game officially. But you know, as far as full question purposes, if I had to bet on this game. I'd be uh, reluctantly laying the points with Miami. I mean, excuse me, with Connecticut. Uh, yeah, you know, the Huskies have just been really good this tournament. We've chronicled you know, how many how many points they've been winning by in this tournament. Sonogo is going to have to continue to be excellent here, uh, but they have some other options that you laid out in terms of who can get some buckets for UConn. Miami, though, they're not going to lay down. They're going to be scrappy. They can shoot. Uh, but to your point, if Omir does get into foul trouble, that could be problematic for them. I just don't like that UConn is going to have to win by six. 
six. I don't know if it, it just continues to be a blowout after blowout for UConn uh, because, like I said, Miami isn't going to lay down. They're going to be a scrappy team, uh, but I do think UConn wins this game. And for the purposes of answering this question, though, I would side on the UConn side. The masses, though, are undecided now. They are still in a 50-50 split between UConn minus 5.5 and, and Miami plus 5.5. That's KDOS1060.com's poll question on Twitter at KDOSAM1060. Who do you have ATS Saturday afternoon? San Diego State University minus 2.5, Florida Atlantic plus 2.5. And, and those numbers coming to you from the FanDuel Sportsbook app. I mean, obviously, the defense and offense – those are what these two teams like to play. San Diego State, eventually they're going – the numbers just continue to say that their defense wins out every single game. They're going to continue to stifle Florida Atlantic. Uh, Florida Atlantic likes to shoot the three, and San Diego State has basically made it impossible for teams to do that in this tournament so far. Teams that have excelled at shooting the three, they have stopped them. Uh, high explosive offenses, they have stopped them. And if you want to then try – to drive the lane against San Diego State. San Diego State makes it tough for you to do that too. So there's certainly a lot here that uh, leads you to believe San Diego State is going to be able to dominate and dictate the game. If San Diego State, though, kind of gets nervous and takes themselves out of the, the equation and takes themselves out of their own rhythm, I think that's where Florida Atlantic could have some opportunities to hit some shots. But I would say San Diego State uh, minus two and a half would be my vote. Me too. Once again, another game I'm not going to be betting on pregame. Uh, definitely interested during the game, however, to pay attention to this and what I'd be looking for is you know, just the uh, you know, quickness. You know, it's not like San Diego State's a slow team, but they are you know, a bunch of seniors. They've been in the weight room seemingly 25 hours a day for their entire college careers, and some of them have been there for five years. Uh, actually, I believe one guy's been there for six years. Uh, so they've been there for some time. Uh, so you know that's a deal there, but... I also just can't get past the fact that Florida Atlantic should have lost the first game of the tournament to Memphis. And to me, uh, this has actually been a well-officiated tournament. However, Florida Atlantic benefited from the worst call of this entire tournament uh, when for some in inexplicable reason, uh, Memphis was not awarded the timeout when 60, 60 people were calling timeout and none of the referees saw any of the people calling timeout. And that, uh, you know, Memphis did some stupid things after that in the last 15 seconds of the game, too. But, you know, that, that non-timeout turned that entire game around strategy-wise. And uh, I know that's four games ago now, and I should get over this, but I you know, obviously had Memphis in that game, so I'm not over it. <laughs> so, so there. Uh, but uh, San Diego State would be my lean. But once again, a game that there's, there's like zero chance I'm betting on before it starts. Well, the masses continue to be on San Diego State side of things to the tune of 100% of the vote. That's on Twitter at KDUSAM1060. Uh, I just saw this scroll across here. Zach Eady has been named the AP Player of the Year. Uh, do you agree with that? Yeah, I don't know if you just go based on the regular season, how you can vote for anybody else, quite frankly. Uh, you know, I don't know, Jackson Davis was like number two or however that works out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, based on the regular season, he was the best player. 
We will wrap up this edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. The sun, it's shining. It's uh, We're approaching noon. A lot of fun things going on tonight and this weekend. We'll wrap it all up on the other side of the break. He's Bob Kemp. I'm Kayla Mortolaro. It is the Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060, KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Apple and Android users download the KDOS 1060 app register and follow along for the different listener rewards that we will have available to you it's kind of like a a thank you for listening Uh, we'll wrap everything up here on the other side of the break Every Monday night, check out Ray Adams as he hosts the Monday Night Golf and Lifestyle Show from 6 to 7 p.m. here on KDUS AM 1060. March 31st edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. All right, Bob, it is thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else sip through the cracks. Also, our guest today, Dama Mori of the Hartford Current who has covered the Huskies for a long time now and uh, gave us the latest on the Huskies heading into the game on Saturday. That's before we knew about the possible illness factor here. Uh, So uh, we'll have to check that out or monitor that for the next uh, 24 hours or so, a little longer than that. I guess that game would start shortly before 7 o'clock our time, depending on how long the first game goes tomorrow also sound day courtesy of tbs cbs valley sports arizona wfan it's always good to have the john sterling home run call first at bat of the season for aaron judge yesterday homers and also wmvp in chicago the uh the uh white Sox flagship station and uh their big hit last night uh that gave them the victory and uh against the astros and uh, they beat uh, ryan presley last night in that game in houston also, special thanks, as always, to Kayla and Corey and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Up next from noon to 1 o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, the Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster Bierstein from 5 to 6. Then you have some ASU baseball, pregame 645, first pitch at 7 o'clock. ASU baseball is at Cal, and you can listen to that KDOS AM 1060, KDOS1060.com, and the KDOS 1060 app. Uh, so as we were wrapping things up in the previous segment, it had scrolled across that uh, the AP Men's Basketball Player of the Year was Zach Eady, and uh, they also have announced the finalists this week of the Wooden Award, which is given to the best men's and women's b- college basketball player in the country, and that will officially be announced on April 7th, but the finalists have since been announced here. So uh, who who is the fi- who are the finalists for the Wooden Award? 
card for the men's side? Uh, they had Edie, obviously, Trey Jackson Davis from IU, uh, Marcus Sasser from Houston, uh, you know, you know, Timmy from Gonzaga, who has probably been like in this uh, in this running for like seven years straight, and also Jalen Wilson from Kansas. If I were actually going to vote for somebody second to Edie, I guess I'd vote Edie for because this is based on the regular season. Uh, Jalen Wilson, I think, was actually the second best player in college basketball in the regular season, especially if you consider the conference he played in. Timmy is among the five finalists for the second season in a row for him. But, you know, since we have lost count of how many years he's been in it, it could have been a, a skipped year and, and it could have been somewhere other time. He's lost count, too, I assume, at this point. I mean, he has no idea how many credits he has or, you know, assuming you graduated like five years ago <laughs> if you wanted to. Yeah, absolutely. Tonight, locally, the Nuggets in the Sun, 7.30 p.m. on Valley Sports Arizona. Uh, no official word yet on uh, Jokic as well as Kate Caldwell Pope and Jamal Murray but last we had seen is that the they were deciding on whether or not to even bring those guys here after they wrapped up their game against the Pelicans yesterday so I guess we'll find out later today later this afternoon Diamondbacks continue their series in LA against the Dodgers 7 10 p.m. on Valley Sports Arizona plus Merrill Kelly gets the ball for the Diamondbacks tonight and then also I saw this good news ESPN has re-signed Holly Rowe, and she will continue yeah. college football sidelines as well as all of her work, NCAA Women's Final Four, NCAA Women's College World Series, WNBA games, and the draft. She does a great job. Yeah, the stuff that I watch, I actually I think she does the best in college basketball. I mean, she does a tremendous job and obviously has you know, overcome cancer a couple of times, if I'm not mistaken, so good for her. As always, thank you for listening to us right here on KDOS AM 1060. Have yourselves a fantastic weekend. The Sports Zone with Bob Kemp back to uh, Monday, 9 a.m. We'll talk to you then.